0: Aren't you glad you know Jesus? Yeah. Amen. Do we serve a good God? Yeah. Come on. How many of y'all know he's good? Yeah. I mean, he's been good to you. I know he's good. And so I praise him and I lift him up today. So we're going to uh, in mark the 14th chapter. Uh, we're going to begin our reading at verse number. i tell you all will go to. Do y'all remember? Huh? 1432. Okay, we're gonna start reading there at Mark the fourteenth, chapter, verse number thirty two. Scripture text says, Then went, then went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. The text says he told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. The text says, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. The text says in verse number 37, then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? The text says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is what? The body is weak. Amen. Watch and pray. Everybody say watch and pray. Now, on today's uh, lesson, as we continue with our series, Preparing for Greater, uh, we've been dealing with great, getting ourselves equipped to be better in relationships, Right? And one of the things that we talked about is the one another's that are giving in scripture and we're down to praying for one another. But as we get into this section of our lesson, remember we talked about knowing yourself first. Amen. Everybody say know myself. myself. In order to be relational, you got to know yourself. Amen. In order to be relational in the way that God desires for us to be relational, we have to be self-aware. Now to to be self-aware means that that I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses, I know my shortcomings. I know I know uh, where I'm, I'm 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 moving and I'm growing, and I know where I'm I'm, I'm suffering and then not being in the place that God wants me to be. Can I get a witness? All right. So as we begin to look at this thing, uh, knowing yourself is critically important because we said that any many times we're not good at relationships because we haven't dealt with the wounds in our own life. Right. And we talked about those different type of wounds. But today I want to just touch on this piece right quick because we talked about the father wound, the mother wound. Uh, we talked about the all-alone wound and the heart wound. And we, it's critically important for us to, to, to do a self-evaluation to see where we are and what's causing us to be the way we are, right? How many of y'all will admit that there are some parts about you that you know got to be worked on? I need some hands raised in the house. There are some parts about you and me, that we all know got to be worked on, right? And it starts with evaluating and understanding the wounds that we have that, have that affected us today because there are wounds that happen in childhood and young adulthood that are affecting our decisioning today. So, one of the things I want to share with you this morning as we uh, get to know ourselves, because I think all of us, if we admit it, sometimes we have attitudes, right? And again, attitudes, listen, attitudes are important. Everybody say attitudes? Are important. Here's what I've discovered. Wounds that are not properly addressed produce attitudes in us that will bring God's judgment our way. Let me say it again. It's on your outline. Wounds that are not properly addressed produce attitudes in us that will bring God's judgment. If you will, go back to the book of Numbers, because we started this lesson series on preparing for greater, looking at the children of Israel in the book of Numbers. Y'all recall our starting point. Now, we've 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 had a a circuitous journey on this on this pathway to preparing for greater. Right. But our example comes from a man, the children of Israel, a man, as God was taking them to a place that he had prepared for them. He was taking them to a place that he had promised them that they would be able to, to, to thrive in a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But you Bible studyers know that even though he had it prepared for them, there was an entire generation that failed to reap the benefit of the promise that God had for them. As I told you before, God can have something for you, but if you're not prepared to receive it and to inherit it, you won't get what God prepared for you. Even though it's his will for you to have it, even though he would love for you to walk in it. But just because he has it prepared for you doesn't mean that you will walk in it. And we saw that in the book of Numbers. Amen. Uh, go with me, if you will. Let's let's look real quickly Uh and, and let's let's go to this, this the twelfth chapter of the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter number twelve, and this this is the familiar passage that we've we've shared and studied with you. But let, let's go back and just refresh our memory because this 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 entire generation, because of uh, their attitude toward God, a men failed to inherit the promise. The text says here in verse number one of Numbers the twelfth chapter. Let's look at that right quick because I've discovered this. That if if we as a church body are not dialed in and focused on God's will and plan for our life, guys, we're not going to be the church that God called in the for us to be. Even though God has given us a, a, a mandate, has given us a, a a blueprint for reaching the world for Christ, we'll, we will not be effective in doing it if we're all messed up. Can you all agree with me? Because I can't help anybody else if I messed up myself. Right. The text says this while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Mo and Aaron did what? Criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. The text says they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Watch this. Hasn't he spoken through us, too? Now, here they are. They were, you know, they uh, Miriam and Aaron had some leadership uh, roles in this in the nation here. But what they're doing now is they're coming against God's man. They're coming against God's man, and, and what we're going to discover here, as they come against God's man, their attitude was off. Their attitude had gone astray because of some things that were in their heart. Their attitudes were not what they need to be because they hadn't dealt with some issues on the inside of them. The text says, uh, but says, they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the text says, but the Lord did what? The Lord heard them. The next verse, let's read. Now, Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Verse four. So, so immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron and Miriam said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Now watch what the next verse says. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of the cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. He says, Aaron and Moses. Now, listen, when God calls your name out and there's an explanation point behind your name, you know, you're in trouble. How many of y'all know you, knew you were in trouble when your parents called your whole name? John L. Smith? <laughs> you knew that something was going on, right? Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. Watch the text, and the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. The next verse says, but not with my servant Moses of all my house, he is the one that I trust. Watch this. I speak to him what? Face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why are you now look at what look at what God says to Miriam and, and, and Aaron? So why are you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? See, Aaron and Miriam, and we're gonna talk about this later on in, in, in the coming Sundays, because we're gonna deal with attitudes. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Next Sunday, the Lord said the same. We're going to start dealing with the series attitudes. So we're going to dovetail into attitudes because you cannot be the person that God wants you and ordains you to be and to be relational if you have attitude. Everybody say, take your attitude. Yes. They had a critical attitude. So why are you Look at what God says? Why are you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Verse number nine. Let's read. The Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. Now he, watch what watch what happens next. Verse number ten, y'all know the story. As the cloud moved from the above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, watch what he says. He cried out to Moses. Now Moses, the one who they were criticizing, Moses was the one who said, "You don't know the only one that God talked to. What about us? He talks to us too." He says, "O Master." Please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. They cried out to Moses now. The text says what? Verse number 12. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decayed at birth. Verse number 13, let's read. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, I beg you, please heal her. Now we know that God eventually healed her, but the point I want to get to this, as we look at this thing, when we don't deal with the wounds in our life, it'll produce attitudes. Amen. That are not God honoring. And the thing I want you to see through this text is that is that God is concerned about your attitude in ministry. God is concerned about your attitude at home. God is concerned about your attitude at work. God is concerned about your attitude in the grocery store. God is concerned about your attitude wherever we go. God is concerned about how we view life and our attitudes. Many Christians think that attitudes are not the, are not that important. That what really matters in life and to God is our action. And our actions are important. But let me tell you something. You can do a right action with the wrong attitude and you're still messed up. Are y'all listening to me today? See, tucked away in the Old Testament journey from Egypt to the promised land is the most radical thing God ever did until Christ and the cross. Watch this. It's an action that lets us know for sure Where attitudes are on God's list of priorities for our lives. Because again, you got to know yourself. If you're sitting here in this church and we've been going through this series preparing for greater. And we've been talking about how we as a body of believers have to become more relational. But our our ability to be relational is being stunted because our attitudes are thrown off. We got to get it right. Because God, if God's going to use us and he does use people to reach people. Everybody say God uses people to reach people. Say so God wants to use me to reach somebody. So if my attitude is thrown off and then God can't use me the way he wants to use me because of the attitude, then I am stunting the church's ability to be a, a kingdom-minded church that's, that's that's causing change to take place in the community where I serve. Amen? The children of Israel, y'all recall the story, left Egypt and journeyed to the very edge of the promised land. They were there, finally ready to step into all the blessings and the joy that God had promised, and God tells them they're not going in. Here they are, had been in slavery for 400 plus years in Egypt, and God had delivered them, and it brought them through the wilderness, brought them through the Red Sea, and they're on the cusp of the promised land, ready to go in and to possess it, and God says, most of y'all that out are here aren't going to go in because of your attitude. Everybody say attitude. In fact, he tells them that they must go back into the desert and stay there until everyone over the age of 20 has died. Now, think about that for a second. He had the land promised to him, Bubba. He, he said, this is your place. I did it just for you. It is yours, every place that your foot treads upon I've already given it to you. go over there and possess it. but because of the attitudes, an entire generation failed to get in. Everyone over the age of twenty was going to die in, the, in in the wilderness. Now that's to me when you look at it on the surface, these are god's people. God delivered them. God chose this nation to birth the savior into the earth realm. But here God is saying, an entire generation won't get what I promised them because they weren't prepared. And in particular, their attitudes, amen, put them in a position where they cannot get what God had promised them. Now to me, that's that's, that's a radical move, what you're saying. Why even deliver them if you're not gonna let them go in? Well, let me tell you something again. When God has something for us and he, he's trying to take us to that, we have a part to play in getting what he has prepared for us. Now, 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 think about this for a second. Listen to me very carefully. God never gets angry without a good reason. Are y'all listening to me? He doesn't just lose it and then wonder what happened like some of us did. So there must be a very important lesson that this radical move was intended to teach us so that we can know ourselves. Apparently, The other writers in scripture, amen, thought the same thing, that it was very important because almost every one of them refers to this incident of the wilderness experience either directly or indirectly. It's referred to over and over again in the psalm. Go to Psalm 95 with me right quick. Psalm 95, verse 8 through 11. It's referred to in the psalm over and over again. It's referred to in the prophets. It's referred to in the gospels. It's it's referred to in the epistles. When you go into the New Testament and look in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 5 and Hebrews, the 3rd chapter, verse number 17, this willingness experience is constantly being brought up. And three separate times, it's referred to in the book of Hebrews. Three separate times, this willingness experience is brought up. But look at what every time it says this very same thing. The Lord says, don't harden your heart as Israel did at Meribah as they did at Massa in the wilderness. Next verse. For there your ancestors tested, watch this, tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. Now watch this. They already knew what God did. They knew God delivered them from, from slavery. 400 plus years of slavery. They already knew that God, amen, when the, when the mountains on every side, Red Sea in front, and Pharaoh's army coming from behind, they, they there and they saw the Red Sea parted. And they went across on dry land. They saw the miracle. They saw manna being rained from heaven to feed them every day. They saw the, the, the pillar of cloud by day to cover them to, as they walked and had a cool journey. They saw the pillar fire by night. They saw God's miraculous work, yet they still rebelled. Look at what it says: For 40 years, I was angry with them, and I said, they are a people, watch this, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Watch this. He says, they are a people whose what? Hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. Next verse. Come on, read it very quickly. It says, so in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. That story is repeated throughout Scripture. Old Testament, it's, it's repeated throughout the New Testament to remind us of what God thinks about, Amen. Uh, his people when they refuse to trust and believe Him, it's referred to over and over again, over and over again in the Scripture. Bottom line, it's this story, this, this this writing of what happened to God's people. This event, Amen. This Old Testament event that everybody was talking about was is designed to give us and to teach us how not to do a certain thing, Amen. All of God's people all the way through the writing of the Scripture were thinking about this willingness journey, amen, and the subsequent death of a whole generation of God's children. This is a message that was meant to be emphasized, but for some reason in today's church world, we read over it and we see it in Sunday school, but we kind of gloss over it. We never think about the fact that the text says that God was angry with them because of their attitudes. God was angry with them because of their unbelief. God was angry with them because of their constant complaining and murmuring and, and whining. Crying with a loaf of bread on your arm as the old folks say. We, when we look at this, go, go with me if you will. Uh, let's look, look at Numbers the 13 chapter right quick. Watch this. Again, first thing they did was they tried to call out God's man, God's leader. And let me say something about that. Listen, Moses was the chosen one. The Bible says he's more humble than any man on earth. And the Bible even says this, that he was called, Andrel, a friend of God. But here Miriam uh, Miriam and Aaron coming against their brother. And it says because of the Cushite woman, but it, it was even deeper than that. See, there was something in their hearts that was not right that God had to deal with their attitudes. Numbers the thir- thirteen chapter. Look at verse number thirty with me, right here. Let's read that. Numbers thirteen chapter, verse number thirty. Are y'all still tracking with me? Because you got to know yourself. I want to ask you a question. How many times have you came to church with an attitude? How many times have you served in ministry, complaining, being critical? See, we're going to talk about attitudes. God thought enough about attitude that an entire generation that was murmuring, complaining, and whining, not being, being, really if you want to know the truth, being ungrateful. They failed to receive what God had, had, had prepared for them. The text says this, watch this. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Now, y'all know the story how it was they sent 12 spies in. 10 came back and said, you know what? The land is flowing milk and honey. It's a a beautiful land, fertile land, but there's giants there and we can't take it. Now, mind you, God had already said it's yours. Every place you go, I've already given it to you. That's what God said, right? Now, remember, do you guys recall what I told you? Uh, Israel had three big problems. Y'all remember this? We said, number one, they were fear. We said, number two, that was unbelief. And number three, they were what? Complaining. Fear, unbelief, and what? Complaining and murmuring. That's a big problem. And God thinks a lot about complaining and murmuring. So the question is, how often do you serve and you complain and you murmur and you whine and you're critical? I want everybody, everybody. I want everybody to say, God does not like a murmuring, complaining, critical attitude. He absolutely hates it. The text says here, look at numbers, 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 uh, 13 and 30. Watch this. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. Now, Moses, again, uh, 10 came back with a bad report, but two came back. Caleb and Josh said, it is like God said it is and we can go and take it. Let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Is that what he says? Go to to the 14th chapter. Look at verse number six with me right quick. I'm just refreshing your memory because we started out looking at the book of Numbers and, and understanding that these were God's chosen people. And yet, a generation failed to receive and to walk in the promise that God had for them because of what was on the inside of them. See, some of you look good on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is not right. On the inside, there's some stuff percolating that you haven't allowed God to deal with, and you're sitting here. And on the on the surface, you look, hey, you look like a a, a just you, you bless the Lord, highly favored. You're on your way to heaven, anyhow. You hallelujah, and and you and you look the part. But the question is, what's on the inside? See, man looks at the outside, but God looks at what? At the heart. Look, look at this. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jethna, tore their clothing. They, they you know, tore in their clothing. KJV says they rent their clothes. That's that's a sign of remorse. That's a a sign of mourning because they, 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 they they were remorseful in mourning because of the attitudes of these millions of Israelites who had come out of, who had been delivered from slavery in Egypt and now they had God's promise staring them right in the face on the cusp of entering the promised land. But they listened to the crowd. They listened to the majority. And they allowed the majority's negative attitude, negative disposition to infiltrate their hearts. I want to know how many of you all listen to negative stuff and start chiming in with the negative folks. Or do you stand up for what truth is? Joshua and Caleb stood up for what truth was. They said to all the people of Israel, watch this. The land we travel through and explore is a wonderful land. Keep reading. Come on, let's go. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give, give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Verse number nine, let's read, do not rebel, do not rebel, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only hapless, pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Again, what was Israel's three problems? Number one was what? Fear. Number two was what? Unbelief. And number three was what? Complaining. Fear, unbelief, and complaining. I want to ask you a question. How many times are you, do you find yourself walking in fear, not believing a word that's being preached across this pulpit or in your Sunday school or your, in your Bible study class? You, 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 you go and you hear, but you don't really believe. Because if you really believe, it will show up in your actions. True belief and true faith is always backed up by corresponding actions. Amen. If you believe that these keys to that 2018 GMC Yukon that I drive is here for your taking, and you come with these keys, I will transfer the title to you. Then, in the first one that came up here, got that. If you need a, another vehicle, how many of y'all will come and get these keys? <laughs> Dorothy needs a car. <laughs> okay, not this time, no, Not this time. I've given away money before like that. Belief. Do you believe? Well, first of all, you, you have to check with the, the the one who has the mortgage on it first, okay? <laughs> but but, but now, now watch this. I could bring her keys and it's paid off, and I could give you those keys of the car. If you believe that, you would move. See, belief is always belief. True biblical belief, belief true biblical faith, is always backed up by action. Don't tell me you believe God's word and you won't move on it. Hello. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. When true faith is in action, you'll see somebody moving on what the text says. How many of y'all believe it's more blessing to give than to receive? I said, how many of y'all believe that it's more blessing to give than to receive? Well, how come uh, more people aren't giving? Luke 6 and 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you give out, it'll be measured back unto you again. In other words, when, when I, whenever I sow, whatever I give, there is an expectation that God will take care of me. Now, if I truly believe that, then I will not have trouble releasing when God says, give. That's how I truly believe that. If I'm just just mentally assenting to that, then when it's time to give or when it's time to bless somebody, I'm going to hold on to everything I got because I don't think anything is coming back to me. True belief is always paired with corresponding action. I said true belief. Now watch, watch, watch this. All right, so I got to keep moving here. So they had, they had a problem, okay? So if, if you go, skip down with me, to verse number, uh, 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 go to verse number 31 in this very same book of Numbers, the 14th chapter. Y'all still tracking with me? Attitudes. See, knowing yourself involves knowing your attitude, knowing where you are at this state in life. Because see, here's what I discovered. People will be in church But they're there physically, but they're not connected spiritually. People will even work in ministry, but are not really connected to God. And eventually it shows up in their action. It shows up in their attitude. It shows up in what they say with their mouths. Watch what the text says here, because, again, they didn't believe God. They fear unbelief and complaining. And, And again, I told you this this account it's referenced all throughout scripture. First Corinthians talks about the fact that it was written for our admonition and for our instruction. God allowed it to be carried on in, in the different books of the Bible so we can look at this pivotal point in the life of God's people. It was so pivotal that God had it repeated over and over again. So I believe there's something that we got to learn from this. Something we got to learn from. it. The text says this. You said. This is God talking to his people. You said your children would be carried off as plunder. Well, here's what God said. I will bring them safely into the land and they will enjoy what you have despised. Now watch this. Look at what God says. God says, I will bring them, talking about your children, you all you old dope adults. Anybody 20 years and over. He says, you said your children will be carried away as plunder. They, they were complaining and whining, and they're whining and complaining. They kept saying, Well, we ain't going over there because they're going to kill us and take our children. God says, You said your children will be carried off as plunder. Well, I will bring them safely into the land, and they will enjoy what you have despised. See, some of us aren't going to see and walk in, in walking what God promised us because of our, our unbelief. Our murmuring and complaining and we're sitting there constantly murmuring and complaining and God says, I don't like that. God says, you my child and I gave you a promise. And when you murmur and complain and whine and walk in unbelief, what that says to me, God says, is that you don't trust that I can do what I said I'll do. Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The person that comes to God has to believe that God is and that God is a what? A reward of them that diligently seek seeking. 32 and 33 right quick. You know what God was saying? God was saying, you said I couldn't take him. You feared they were going to die. They're not going to die. You're going to die. Watch this. But as for you, watch this. He says, he says, he says they, they're going to hear what you despise. But as for you, you're going to drop dead in the wilderness. That's what God says. Talk about attitude here. Because you got to know yourself. What kind of attitude do you bring to church? What kind of attitude do you bring to, to your faith walk? What kind of attitude do you bring to ministry? But as for you, you will drop dead in this wilderness. Verse number 33. Let's read. And your children will be like shepherds wandering in the wilderness. For what? For 40 years. Okay? In this way, they will pay for your what? Faithlessness. They will pay for your faithlessness until the last of your life of you until the last of you lies dead in the wilderness. That God said, all of y'all going to die in the wilderness because of your unbelief, because of your critical attitude, because of your complaining attitude. You didn't trust that what I said was true. The problem was the people's murmurings, guys. It's no different today. God hasn't changed what he does about murmuring. He judges it. Look at that, a neighbor. God judges murmuring and complaining. So if we decide to live like the Israelites did, then God will treat us like he treated them. Or if we choose murmuring as our lifestyle, then back to the wilderness that we go. You say, well, brother, I ain't no wilderness around here. I live in the city. But I ain't talking about a physical wilderness. Now, some of us live in the country But that's not what we're talking about. See, a a, a wilderness for us today, God doesn't just thrust us into a physical wilderness anymore, but he does cause our lives to become just like a wilderness, a desolate, dry place. Some of y'all sitting there right now in church, but you're dry. You're in church coming faithfully, but you're dry. You're desolate. There's no hunger for the things of God because you never pick up your Bible. You never really hunger for the things of God. You're in a dry place right now. You don't really have a prayer life. You only pray when you need something. Everybody say that's a desolate place. Because you and me and any of us who who murmur and complain will find ourselves not being connected to the God who says, I'm here. And I can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think through the power that works in you, but you sit there complaining and murmuring and whining about stuff. Are oh, y'all listening to me today? Bad attitudes are what make life a dry, hard, joyless experience. So, so five important questions you need to ask yourself, and I need to ask myself, and all of us need to ask ourselves. Number one is, are you open to considering what the Lord has to say about changing your attitude? are you open? Some people are not open to God and what God has to say about them. And I I don't want to ever be guilty of, of not being opening to hear what God has to say to me about me. See, the problem that most of us, most of us like to hear what God got to say about somebody else. But God says, I want to deal with you. Because until you know yourself, until you know where you stand, until you're honest about the fact that, hey, I'm a complainer, I'm a murmur, I'm a whiner. Then God can't help you because you're always thinking somebody else. It's their problem. They're the reason why I'm the way I am. No. What about you? So are you open to considering what the Lord has to say about changing your attitude? Number two, are you willing to be changed? Listen to me very carefully. If change was easy, everyone be doing it. Huh? How many of you have ever tried to change your eating habits before? Can we all just come, come before the altar right now and just testify? You said to yourself like I said to myself. I said, "Self, leave them ribs alone." I said, "Self, skip that, uh, skip that, uh, 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 um, that bread pudding, that bistro to go." Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Seth, I know Mama Kirks and, and, and your wife, peach cobbler is good to the core. But this coming Christmas, skip the peach cobbler. Any of y'all ever told yourself that before? And then when you first tell yourself that, Seth will psych itself out and say, yeah, I'm going to do it. Until. The aroma of the peach cobbler comes out the oven, until the the smell of the the baby back ribs that are that have the flavor all the way to the bone and the meat falling off of it. And this hickory smell and you just goes in your nostril and all of a sudden, self, forget about what self told self. Is this in home with anybody? I'm just I'm I'm talk, I'm telling myself, cat. I'm telling myself, amen. Because my wife tells me all the time, I tell you before, she says, you got the exercise part down, but you got to get the eating part right. And I'm going to tell you all something. Can I I confess to y'all publicly? Can I, this, this is therapy for me today. Sometimes when she tells me that, I get mad. Anybody in the house today? I get, somebody said, sometimes you get an attitude Especially if she busted out on me, now we could be doing, we, we could be, you know, doing our thing, and I could be eating what I want to eat. Then all of a sudden, one day we would get ready to get something. I want to order. She said, well, "You gonna order that?" I'm like, "Why now? Why are you bringing this up right now?" I can see it. It's in the kitchen. I want them to bring it out. Guys, listen. We gotta check. Listen, are you willing to be changed? If change was easy, everyone would be doing it. But the fact is, most people are just staying the same. So much so, listen to this, so much so that we are generally skeptical about people who say they change. Now, You, you, let, you let, let one of your family members or somebody you know get saved. They were selling drugs last week, but now they say they saved. Let me give you a perfect example. How many of y'all have had your judgment or determination of whether or not Kanye West has actually changed or not? How many of y'all have had discussions about that? Let me let, can I can I give you some Bible? I'm gonna give you Gamaliel's advice of what you should be doing because we sit here and I I I don't listen that ain't even my it, it ain't even my job to 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 determine whether or not he's sincere whether he's been changed. But go to go to Acts the fifth chapter because we'll sit there and we'll do that. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. There are some folks when you got saved were thinking, I oh, don't know. You remember what she used to do? Remember how many men she had? She changed. Oh, do you remember what he used to do? Get sloppy drunk at the parties, and now he's talking about he's serving the Lord. You remember when he was flirting with you at, at work? Remember when he did this? Is he really changed? See, Watch what Acts, the fifth chapter says, and, and, and Gamaliel gives some. go to verse number 37, I believe this is where we we'll want to start, Acts chapter 5, verse number 37. Watch, here's what I would tell you when it comes to that type of thing, because change is, is change is, we, we see it so rarely sometimes in, in, in people's life, I mean real, radical, godly change, that we are skeptical when people say I've changed. After him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee, he got people to follow him, but he was killed too. And all his followers were scattered. Um, 38, 38, 38. So, so this, this is Gamaliel talking. Gamaliel is a, is a, is a, one of the uh, the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, uh, Pharisees and he's sharing. He says, so my advice is this, now these these were God's servants who were, who were, who were, who were, who were Affecting radical change in earth. He says, so my advice is this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. Watch this. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it, it, it's going to soon be overthrown. If folks are just doing stuff to get their name recognized or they're just doing it just so they, they can be called. And if they ain't called, they mad because they're not called and their name is not being called and put in the spotlight. If they're if they doing it for the wrong reason, it ain't going to last. Come on. Ladies, let me tell y'all something. If, if that dude is really serious, here's what you do. Don't give yourself to him. Oh, l- listen. Let me put it in modern language. because some, Somebody say, give yourself. No, don't have sex with him. You'll see how serious he really is about you. Or let me put it this other way. Man, don't give yourself to her. And keep yourself until marriage, like the Bible tells us to do. And you'll see whether they're really serious, sisters. All my single ladies, single ladies. That's that's widow, divorce, and all y'all. If you really want to know how serious he is, and whether he what he really thinks about you, don't give yourself to them sexually and be obedient to what the word of God says. Then you'll find out what he really thinks. And you, when you start saying stuff like, well, you know, uh, I, you know I have a commitment with God and I'm going to keep myself until marriage. See how long he stays around. Hello? Well, you know, we're going to get married one day. What you mean? So we might as well go on with, since, since, we, since we engage. No, you engage, amen. Engagement is not being married. Because some folks have the audacity to tell you they've been engaged for seven years and they're living together. Baby, listen. If you've been engaged for seven years, there ain't no engagement. That's a dead cat on the line somewhere. <laughs> Stop calling him your fiancé. That ain't your fiancé. Seven years? You need to fish or cut bait, baby. For all you ladies who got somebody who said, and you said, yes, your show. Fiance, and y'all been fianceing for seven, eight years, ten, fifteen years. Some folks don't. They they thirty years. That's my fiance. Don't stop telling that lie. <laughs> Keeping yourself. So watch this. Watch this. So, so he says. So, so my advice is, lead, lead me along. Let them go if they are planning and doing these things merely on their own. It will soon be overthrown. Is that what he says? Look at thirty nine. Watch this. But it. If it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. So how many of y'all are fighting against God? Because sometimes we don't know what we think we know. If somebody, if it's of the Lord, and there's genuine, if they generally have the right attitude and right approach toward ministry, then you, you it, it, will bore, it, it will bore itself out through the test of time. I'm not so interested in fly-by-night stuff that pops up and get all exude, exuded and all excited because it's not trends and what's popular that, that's, that what God is into. God is into what's in line with his word. So, so quit talking about other ministries. If it's of the Lord, it'll prosper. If not, it won't. Amen? Quit talking about other Christians. Amen? Focus on yourself. Say self. Start examining Self. Now, guys, listen. After passing for 30 years, I've come to this realization. I can assure you that people don't change most of the time until they know for a fact that their thing ain't working anymore. Life change can never begin, I believe, until some circumstance brings you to the undeniable conclusion that your way, your course is taking you somewhere you don't want to go. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's a tragic event or it's a relational breakdown. Somebody get divorced, somebody has, you know, something tragic happens, somebody dies. And sometimes sometimes it's a profound internal emptiness or sometimes it's a devastating personal failure that causes you to change. But most people will sit there in that chair, hear a word, but they will not make change because they used to doing life the way they've always done it. so that's why you see in the book of Judges how God had to allow circumstances to, to take place in, in the life of his people to get them to change their ways and look up toward him. Most people won't change until something tragic happens. Husband didn't get it right until the wife was getting ready to leave and walk out the door or the wife didn't start doing marriage the way God wants it until until. Husband got ready to walk out the door. And it's sad that it happens in Christian marriages. But some of us so hard headed, so stuck in our ways, we gonna keep doing stuff the way we want to do it until something some pressure comes in our life and forces us to change. And many times God will allow that pressure, that circumstance to happen because he knows you better than you know yourself. You try to fool us and you even try to fool yourself that you really want to know the word of God. I want to see what the word of God says. I'm going to govern my life according to this word. Most people won't do that without some thing that's pushing them. I'm not saying everybody, but most people, here's what God would love to have happen. For each one of us to hear what his word says, pray and meditate over it, get understanding of that word, and then make a decision that we're going to govern our life based off of what the word of God says. Nothing else. That's the, that's the ideal scenario. But a lot of people won't do that. And so we, so God has to allow some of these things to happen in our life uh, to get us to the point. Because I've seen it happen over and over again. People are creatures of habit, and they do stuff the same way over and over again. I, you know, I, I don't care how, how often I say, okay, uh, you know, part of our discipleship training is, is that you be engaged in the Sunday morning discipleship training through, through our Sunday school model. Okay, that's our model that we have today. But some of y'all aren't going to come to Sunday school until something happened in your life, and you try to seek, you try to seek God, and try to get close to God. Then, because you hear my voice, but you're not really hearing God speaking through my voice. So ask yourself the question: Why is it that you haven't came to Sunday school? So you get quiet here then when I say, "See, this is my pastoral teaching." Because see, see, if I'm going to pastor you, I'm going to pastor you. See, when I'm your pastor, I'm not your friend sometimes. Because as your pastor, I got to tell you the truth. And you know you better than I know you. You know that you are a creature of habit and you're in that mode now. Well, I'm just a Sunday morning person. Pastor, don't, don't make no demands on me because if you start making demands on me, I'm going to leave. So do you want a Pastor. Or do you want somebody to just tell you something to make you feel good all the time? God said I'm gonna give you pastors after after my heart who's gonna feed you with wisdom and mind. So just something simple as that. See it got real quiet because all you non Sunday school folks now think I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not talking about anybody individually. Because so I gotta say that because some of y'all are real sensitive. Yeah. And see, as a Christian, you gotta grow some thick skin as a believer, if you're going to grow, you got to have some thick skin because sometimes somebody's got to tell you about yourself, and it's going to be information that you don't want to hear, but it's good for what ails you. Can I get one amen? All right. So as your pastor, guys, I'm telling y'all, I've been here 30 years now, and, 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 and uh, so in 30 years, you know, that's a long time, is so if you don't know I love you by now, you probably ain't going to know that I love you. If you've been here 20 years and, and think that I don't love you because I tell you the truth, then there's that, a serious problem. As your pastor, I'm going to preach the word to you. Now, if you, if you want a pastor who's going to just sugarcoat it and not just be direct like I am sometimes with you, I'm direct because I love you. People who love you will speak the truth in love. Amen. Are y'all still with me? Are are you willing to change attitude? Man, I'm I'm running out of time. (laughs) Are you willing to change your attitude? Attitudes, listen, attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. You can't change your attitude in a few minutes. But you can admit the wrong ones and decide to begin working on the right ones. If you've been thinking a certain way. For a long period of time, it's going to take, it's going to take the Holy Spirit. Now, God can, God can do anything. The Holy Spirit can come in. If, you, if you'll yield yourself to his will, then he'll come in and he will take up his, his rightful place, his primitive place in your heart, and it can begin to change the way you think about life. But you got to be willing to, to yield yourself. This incident in the book of Numbers had everything to do with the attitude of the people and God called them out on it and God judged them on it. Are y'all with me? He judged them on it. Are you willing to change your attitude? Next question. Are you willing to focus exclusively on your attitude? Are you willing to focus exclusively on Your attitude, the problem that many of us have is that we want to focus on the other guy instead of ourselves. I tell every married couple who I talk to, stop complaining about your spouse and start letting God deal with you about you. And what you desire to see in your spouse, start speaking that instead of complaining and whining and downgrade them. Did y'all hear me? Let me say it once more and again. That which you desire to see, start to speak those faith-filled words. Start saying, you are a man of honor. You are a man of integrity. I thank God for you. you, you, you I'm, I'm blessed to be married to you instead of whining and complaining about him or whining and complaining about her. Can I get two amens? I need, I need two more because I, I, somebody needs to hear this. See, listen, listen. We, we, What did I say? Are you willing to focus exclusively on your attitude? And I, when I say that, I understand what I'm talking about. I know that there are times, there are times where counsel has to come into play. Because if, if you're at an impasse, you need an independent party to speak into your life. And if you come and hear that independent party speaking to your life, like your pastor or a marriage counselor or a professional counselor, don't go to, go, go to counsel and then ignore everything that the counselor says. You're wasting the counselor's time as well as yours. I said all the time. Why go to a financial counselor and then ignore everything that the financial counselor tells you? Just keep your butt at home. at a appointment for somebody who's going to do what they've been taught. And it don't sound right when I say it, keep your butt at home, but I'm saying it like that. Keep you behind at home because you're wasting your time sitting there and they're they, they, they putting a plan in place and you bust that plan in the first week because you went to Outback Steakhouse five times that week. And your budget called for you to eat out once that week. But your habit has been blowing your money, eating out. If the Lord don't help me, ooh, I can't stand. The stone. Uh, do, do, do I have anybody here? If the Lord don't help me, ooh, I can't stand. I need some old school folks who know how to just throw some hymns up. If you're talking about Jesus, ooh, Leroy, he's a friend. Y'all, we got too many. If you're talking about all right, they ain't got to do the sermon. But some of y'all need to hear some hymn. I, I love a good hymn every now and then, amen? The Lord's got to help us. So, so listen, are you willing to focus exclusively on your attitude? Or are you going to spend all your time talking about the other person? Number five, are you willing to go after this change of attitude with a sense of urgency? In numbers, what God had prepared for them, they failed to reap it. It was very much theirs, guys. It was the, See, abundant life is yours today. Jesus said, in John 10 and 10, I believe it is. Check me out when you get on. The thief comes not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundant. So if you're not experiencing the abundant life, why is that? Could it be because your attitude of murmuring, complaining, uh, lack of faith, doubting, unbelief is causing you to wander in the wilderness and be in a dry and desolate place? Maybe maybe you're in a dry and desolate place because you're experiencing God's judgment because God hates a murmuring and complaining and critical attitude. Here's my here's my take. If 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 why complain about something if you're not going to try to do something about the thing you're complaining about. Especially when it comes to church. We need servants to work in various capacities. In outreach ministries. Huh? Uh in reach ministry, those missions inside church. But again, here's what here's what happens, guys. If you won't prepare yourself, if you won't equip yourself to be able to be able to effectively go out and share the message of Christ, then you know. Whose fault is that? I don't want to send anybody out representing EBC who won't come and be taught themselves. Now, you, you're going to just go out and do something just to be doing something? No, 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 no. Jesus took the guys upon his wing. He began to disciple them. And part of the discipling process is we got to be taught. We got to learn. We got to get strategy to go out into the world to be able to be that and vessel that God wants us to be. Now, listen. I didn't even get to pray to one another, pray for one another, but we're gonna talk about pray for one another next week. So you can hold on to the outline. We're coming back to it. We're gonna talk about pray for one another, and we're gonna talk about be kind to one another. We talked about being kind to one another in Bible class, but but that last one, we pray for one another and be kind to one another. We talked about random acts of kindness in Bible class. So we, we won't stay on that one real long because we dealt with it in Bible class, but I want to bring that to those who don't make it to Bible class. Here, I, I'm in my pastoral mode again. As your pastor, I try to help you along the way because I love you and I want to see God's best for your life. In numbers, the children of Israel failed to get what God had promised for them. Because of fear, unbelief, complaining, their attitudes were off base. Check your attitude. What is your attitude toward ministry? What is your attitude toward your family? What is your attitude toward your place of employment? Anybody here that's getting a check, a paycheck from your place of employment, employment. You owe it to that place of employment. I don't care if it's a job that you don't want to do for the rest of your life. That's cool. But while you are where you are, Bible tells us we got to work heartily as unto the Lord. How many of y'all go to work complaining every day? Hello? How many of y'all go to work complaining at least two or three times a week about your job? It would be better for you to change jobs than to go there Two or three times a week complain about what you're doing. Because the Bible says the Lord heard them. He heard Miriam and Aaron complaining about Moses. God heard them complaining when they were on the cuffs of the promised land. So if you're going to go to work at a place and complain about the people and the place and the work, it is better for you to go find something that you can do and not complain than to keep going there, getting a check and complaining. Because God is watching that, and you can't get you. Can, God can't take you to where He wants to take you when you're not doing His will. Look at your the neighbor. Check your attitude. Every head bowed, every closed. Father, we thank you and praise you for this divine opportunity. You are God.